people don't just see like a certain individual, they see like they possibly see themselves. Yeah, very good. Brilliant. People can be overweight for many reasons, health conditions, stress, like you said. Um, so it's not really about people being overweight, it's about the advertisement of these um, fast food chains. So why would showing someone who's overweight really benefit and prove his point? Good, I like because that. Because there's not, it's not just one universal reason why people are overweight. Great, exactly. Courtney, yeah. Um, it's also sort of dehumanizing. Uh, the people he's recording by removing their face, which is the okay. thing most people look at first when they are looking at someone. It sort of removes their humanity and just shows them as how society sees them, just okay. big blobs of fat versus how corporation sees them, just big like piles it. of money. Big. Yeah. Oh, I like that. Yeah, I really like that. Say that one more time. The last part. Uh, it shows, it contrasts how society sees them as big blobs of fat versus how companies see them, uh, big piles of money. Yeah, very good. I like that. That's very good. All right, uh, number three, based on this segment, who might Skrillex's intended audience be? Who's he talking to, you guys? Everybody. Yeah, it's everybody. Um, it's kids, it's parents, it's consumers, it's people who are overweight, it's people who are skinny, it's people who are living a healthy life or living vegan. And to the, the, the workers. And to the what? The corporations. Yeah, and to the corporations, for sure. Yeah, you guys, you know, he did mention at the end of this that after this documentary came out, uh, McDonald's did away with supersizing things. Yeah, definitely the corporations, right? He kept trying to talk to them. He was talking to nutritionists. He was talking to everybody. The educated, the uneducated, everybody. Okay, uh, number four. Spurlock uses all three major rhetorical appeals, ethos, pathos, and logos in this section. Which of these appeals is the most convincing? Yeah. Pathos, um, because it is an emotional appeal to how the kids who, um, who knew Ronald McDonald, yet um, they didn't know Jesus. It's kind of, um, Spurlock um, shows by juxtaposition um, how more kids know Ronald McDonald to Jesus, considering that the majority of the United States is a Christian nation, that it's kind of a call to action for Christian people to do something about the food industry because they don't know Jesus, who is um, a very influential figure in their religion versus someone who is made up cartoon for an advertising company. How um, maybe there's a, a trend to change that Christians might be a part of. Okay, good. What else? Yeah. Um, I said pathos too, and I said that Spurlock's appeal is to I also, I also said pathos because um, ethos and logos people willingly ignore all the time. Not maybe willingly, but sometimes even subconsciously. 
Yeah, uh, like that's why we have Holocaust deniers and um, flat worlders and people who deny climate change is because um, if you don't make an, an emotional appeal to someone, they're not going to listen to what you have to say because they don't feel anything. Okay, good. Yeah. What else? Remember to talk about the whole kids thing? Like how they're like constantly showing kids and stuff, so it's like save the kids. He showed several other prominent figures to the public and then showed them two figures that most kids would realize, um, Jesus and uh, Ronald McDonald. And while not every kid recognized who Jesus was, every kid recognized who uh, Ronald McDonald was. Okay, he also showed George Washington, right? Why would he show George Washington? Because he's the founder of our country. Let's think about this. What do little kids learn? What do little kids learn when they go to school? Who the first president was. And, and, and do you guys remember making the little pictures of uh, Abraham Lincoln and, and uh, George Washington? Yeah. Like, and you learned that they were on the penny and the nickel, right? Yeah. President's Day. That's a big little kid holiday, like first grade, kindergarten, most little kids learn who they are in as they're five and six. Most kids learn that, right? And if you think about it, most of the kids that they picked were like probably school-age children, elementary kids. So I think the expectation is for you to realize that these kids probably spent a month learning about who President um, Abraham Lincoln was and President Washington, right? Yeah, Carlita? Oh, okay. Well, I don't know because I was trying to think like of when he put different advertisements in, like some of the McDonald's like just like the commercials that they have on TV. Yeah. And a lot of those are found like when you're watching like Nickelodeon <coughs> or Disney Channel. Like, up, like I think at one point McDonald's was even a sponsor of the Disney Channel. Like, they had a bunch of different commercials and stuff that were advertised to kids specifically, even if parents weren't even like there. Like if a kid was watching a TV show, a McDonald's ad would come up, the da 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 that would like, everyone knew what that was. So I don't know, I just think it was interesting of him to like put those same commercials, but in a negative connotation, instead of trying to make it like, oh yeah, McDonald's is so delicious. It's like, like, this is also what McDonald's is doing. So to your point, um, when he is, because he didn't like say a whole lot about education and Nickelodeon and those channels, right? But he implies it, right? So what's he kind of saying while he's not saying about advertising to children on like the Disney Channel or Nickelodeon or those kind of channels? What's he kind of implying there? That it's like it's being pushed to these kids to start from an early age so that once they reach the habit of I want McDonald's, they, when they're older, they can just go walk in. So what is that going to lead to to them in their future? Um, money. 
Um, kind of the same thing, but like even though the advertisements but might be necessarily bad, they are still allowed to be shown to children. They're still allowed to be shown to children because of the mere fact they're cartoons. And I don't think parents really have a filter of what the cartoons are. So. Yeah, good. Um, all right, uh, last question. Let's look at this one. It says, what effects do the cartoon illustrations have um, uh, in the piles of money achieved? How do they emphasize the statistics that Spurlock is presenting? It's about 46 minutes. Why might these suit colors have been chosen for these characters? Uh, and and it, just everything about this section, let's look at it really quick before we... messages by using the cartoons and it keeps his audience's uh, focus on what he's actually saying. What do you mean by implies? Well, like through the uh, size of the figures, he implies like they're greedy um, because we associate fatness with greed. Um, and through the like skinny figure, he, we imply sort of, um, he implies sort of a uh, lack of strength or a weakness to it. Okay. Um, by putting the background in a bank vault, he uh, implies that it's in the bank, and we typically associate bankers with greed. Okay. Good. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I'm going to flip this up for just a second. 
Um, just take some of these notes in your, in your, on the page that you're doing right now. I just want to talk really quickly, and we're going to move on, about some of the techniques that Spurlock uses in his documentary. Everything on my board. Markers just are terrible. All right. Things that Spurlock uses. Um, I'm going to give you, I'll start with one. He uses personal anecdotes. What's that mean? No, it's stories. Uh, isn't it very much a personal story of him going through this experience? This experiment? Okay, what else is he used? Cartoons, cartoons and animations. Okay, uh, he uses these for various different reasons. Um, some we just saw to, to show statistics, data. Um, he uses it to kind of, um, kind of poke fun at different things. He also uses it to, to do kind of uh, some, uh, kind of grotesque humor a little bit sometimes. Okay, what else? What else does he use? About credibility. Who's he talking to when he goes and gets checkups? Who's he talking to when he goes and gets uh, data from about um, obesity and about nutrition? And he talks like a bunch of different like, and doctors, and professors, doctors. Right? Lots of credibility here. Uh, he, he looks at a lot of different research a lot of people are doing. Uh, what about, well, we already said he uses pathos. He uses logos. He uses ethos. Ethos, that's this right here, right? Uh, what about an authority? Is he an authority about what he's talking about? Yeah, the people he talks to are. Because why? He's experiencing a person. Yes, that makes him an authority. And also, why else is he an authority? What? Why else is he an authority? Oh, I, 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 I was saying the people he talks to. Yeah, for sure. Uh, but a big one is he is an authority in this experiment because it, it's happening to him firsthand. Right? This one also leads to credibility. What else? What else is he using? How's he use artwork? Took I think you, you brought this one up last time, Avery. Why is he using the artwork? It's like a scare tactic, but also like aimed at McDonald's because they have all the like normal McDonald's things on it, but it's also like some clowns kind of creepy and makes it like a scare tactic sort of. So he uses negative images also, right? Artwork, uh, we see them like we see in cartoons, like Sunday morning cartoons. It's fun, it's happy, it's light, he's a clown, he's happy. But yet they're showing him as Satan, they're showing him as devil or, or greedy or really fat or scary, right? Right? So that's interesting. And you guys brought up a word earlier. What was that word? Who did you point to? Oh, thank you. Juxtaposition. Please tell me what is juxtaposition? It's putting two contrasting things right next to each other. It's putting two contrasting things right next to each other. Give me an example. Uh, like fire or water right next to each other. So how is he using the artwork as a juxtaposition? I just I just talked about that. 
it's grotesque like uh, imagery <laughs> and yeah. things that we normally associate with children. So he's also using what we call grotesque humor. Uh, remember the part where he's talking about McRibs and McGriddles, right? We have the Mc, 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 McDonald's, Mc, Mc Max, Mc Big Max, whatever. And then he says, ooh, I'm getting a McStomachache. Ooh, I think I'm going to McPuke, right? And he does puke. And then he, then he actually makes a comment and he adds the, I just McPuked, right? So he's using some humor. So grotesque humor, here's the definition. Uh, it promotes laughter in a way that does not invite an alienating gap between audience and performers. So it's kind of like funny, but it's kind of gross at the same time. Okay. Uh, what else does he use? Inappropriate humor. Inappropriate humor. In uh, a p p r. Is it two n? No, it's just one. Yeah. Oh, what? I just realized that he kind of makes a really compelling argument when, like, his wife is, like, talking about, like, all, like, this sex stuff and everything, and, you know, how people are with sex and everything, and it's, like, people don't want that taken out of their life and stuff, and now that eating McDonald's is, like, affecting that, okay. it's, like, it's, like, a big deal. Is that ethos, pathos, or logos? Pathos. Pathos. Right. Like fear. I would cry. Yeah, because guys, especially for guys, right? <laughs> no, I, I mean, because guys want to be able to perform in a bedroom, and that's like a big slap in the face for a man who can't. So, yeah, that's definitely a fear factor thing. Uh, he also uses interviews, right? He uses lots of interviews. Um, he introduces all kinds of different patrons that maybe you can connect to. Remember the guy who had just had his 11,000... Burger? Yeah. Right? He seems like a normal everyday guy. Don't we kind of connect to that? What about the guys who are like, oh, I, nah, nah, he'll never get fat. McDonald's, no, I eat McDonald's three times a week, but I work out. And look at me, I'm, I'm in good shape, right? They're like everyday people that we can connect with. Um, he uses a lot of facts and factual evidence. Um, he uses children. He uses adults. He uses skinny people and overweight. Right? So he's appealing to a large audience. Right? Appealing to a large audience. Gosh, there are so many things he uses in here. But there are a few weaknesses in his argument also. Give me a couple of weaknesses in his entire argument. Like, what are some things that were like, mm, I don't know if that's really proving your point. For example, did he stick to a 2,000 a day calorie count? No. How many calories a day was he eating? 5,000 a day calorie count. Is that, does that kind of weaken his argument a little bit? Yeah. I mean, come on. The, the average amount of calories a person intakes a day is on average about 2,000 calories a day. So he was eating way more than he should have been eating, right? Is there a counter argument to that though? That's how people act when they eat McDonald's. Okay, yeah, and, and if you were going to McDonald's three times a day, would you probably be somebody who's counting your calories? No, probably not. Probably not, right, yeah. 
Right. Yeah, that's a great argument. You can't just supersize it every time you're asked, right? And he did supersize it. How many times did he say he ended up supersizing? Twice or three? It was quite a few times. Eleven times throughout the thirty days, right? I say nine. And they were mostly all in Texas. Mostly in Texas, which everything is bigger and better in Texas, right? A few other things. Um, You can kind of tell. How does he feel about overweight people? Not very good. Why? The way he talks about them, the what words he uses to describe them. So can we say he's maybe a little biased? Yeah. Okay. So that bias, yeah, he definitely is disapproving of obesity. Um, he makes just he makes obesity look disgusting, doesn't he? Yeah. Is that bias or is that just him like trying to prove his point? Because he can't say like like this is so bad and like you don't want to eat and then become overweight. But then you can't say like, but sometimes it's not your fault. Like that, just like goes against you. Like, what was advice? Was it just skinny? I don't know. I, what do you think? I think they're just being proving his point. Like he has. Okay. Avery. I feel like he was more biased towards the beginning because he was skinny and he was a little obese or overweight or anything. But then more he started gaining weight, he kind of wasn't as biased as he was because he's kind of understanding like how they feel and like. Being overweight. Okay. Yeah. I think that they could have been a way for him to be able to prove his point while also saying that there's not, it's not really always your fault. Like, um, sh- I don't think that putting down somebody, like putting down people, is a way to prove your point. So I think what he could have done is been like, yeah, there's some cases where this isn't it, but like 50% of these people are because of this. Like, I think that he could have put a statistic and kind of like looked more into that rather than just saying mean things to these people. But why didn't he? Because why did he not take that track? <laughs> okay, but would that have made his argument a little bit weaker? Yeah. Yes why? and no. Why? Because it could, but also if he's able to prove his giant point and he's able to put down all these statistics, I don't think that um, saying one little statistic could ruin his entire point or entire uh, purpose of his documentary. Like It's obviously evident that fast food makes you gain weight. So I don't think that it would have disproven his point, but it also would have put more of a emotional appeal towards people who do, like who are overweight for not their own reason. All right, good, yeah. What were you saying, Courtney? Uh, I was gonna say, I, I agree, sort of. He, uh, there are certainly ways he could have made his points without, um, being really rude and and uh, bigoted towards uh, fat people, but it wouldn't have worked against society at the time, and because this was made in what two thousand and four, right? Uh, it w- saying oh it's not fat people's fault. While that is true, no one chooses to get fat. It wouldn't have made his point any stronger, and it would have weakened his point. And he totally could have made the point that it's not their fault, it's the corporation's fault. But that wasn't the point he was attempting to make. And even though I disagree with this point, he made his point, he proved his point very effectively. Right, and we had to have some sort of a consequence, right? There has to be a consequence for eating this way, right? Okay, Jet, what were you going to say? Lots of his points in in the documentary are, like, shocking and, you know, scary and gross and stuff. Like, 
or having um when when he made this documentary, I don't think he was really looking for a really a point with a lot of nuance. He kind of just wanted to wake people up, right? right? So um while he might be biased, but by including things like that, it, it would probably detract from some of the things because it would make it a little bit more complicated instead of just saying ah scary fat, you know? Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, he might have a bias of de- how he depicted obesity, but that really pushed his point forward of showing, um, like, with all the uh, cartoons and stuff like that, how obese people really, we have a connotation of them, of how that really affects who, like, that it really, it his pathos um, appeal to us would be a lot um, weaker if we didn't have that. Exactly, yeah. In there. Yeah, um, one of the things I, I kind of felt like was a little bit of a weakness in his argument was he made some poor decisions. I mean, he ate a McDonald's three times a day. Who do you know eats at McDonald's three times a day? Does anybody? So, I mean, what do you guys think about that? Do you think that that made his, weakness, that made his argument a little weaker? Avery, what were you going to say? Well, like, also with the eating, like, three times a day, he also, like, would eat, like, kind of, like, two meals in one, where he mm-hmm. had, like, two Big Macs or whatever, where he could have just had one. Yeah. Or, like, two drinks. Yeah, it would be really interesting to actually see what his calorie count was every single day, because you can go to McDonald's and make some healthy choices, right? Yeah. I mean, the calorie count's still going to be a little higher, but they do have salads. They have... Um, you could he could have gotten a smaller drink rather than a large one. He could have gotten water bottles instead of. Although I don't think McDonald's had water bottles in 2004. I think water bottles also was an effect of this, right? Having some healthy options, and they did also do a big push after this came out for children having those apple slices yeah. and having milk in your in your meal. Um, so they did make some changes, right? All right. So super interesting. Um, you guys are going to be creating. Your final product, you've got two for this one. And so we, we're we gonna get a little bit into the next one and I'll probably move the dates a little bit. But I do want you to open up the um, product that says presentation. You're gonna be doing this with the group. If you can open that up really quick. <clears throat> directions. Or- yep, open up the directions. Thank you. Yep, it'll, you'll, you'll plug it all in in there. All right, so uh, who can read me the directions on the, the, I think it's the second slide. Courtney, go ahead. You raised his hand first, sorry. Uh, you will create a visual rhetorical analysis on super size, on the Super Size Me video with a partner. You will need to include an introduction slide, you and your partner's name. Address each one, each with one slide each, audience, speaker, purpose, exigence, context, and tone. Uh, main claim, four rhetorical strategies with effectiveness on each, each on own slide, and a weakness in argument. Okay, so you're going to have a total of like one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen slides. You and a partner. Okay, um, so and then... <coughs> I definitely want you to make sure that when you do your slide in the very bottom corner in size 12 font, I want you to put your initials on that slide. Um, You will all turn in the slide together, okay? So um, that means you need to be building two PowerPoints at the same time with basically the same information. They can be identical or they can be a little different, 
right? But each person is going to upload their slides, all of the slides, up into Summit, okay? Because that way I don't have to try to guess who's is who's, and you're just going to put your initials on the bottom of your slide. So it's one PowerPoint? or One PowerPoint, but you're going to upload them both into both names, okay? So um, be thinking about who you're going to partner up with that. This one is not a three-partner thing. This one is going to be a two-partner. Okay, so next assignment. Um, open up the other one where it says directions. It's in your final product. <clears throat> this one, we are going to be constructing an argument. Uh, we are going to actually be looking at some different articles. This one is the one you're going to have the time right on. If I need to change the dates around, I can. So I'm going to give you a, uh, a couple options right now. Do you guys want to, since we've just talked about the rhetorical strategies in this, do you want to do the presentation first? Yeah. You do yeah. not have to present it. You just have to make the PowerPoint. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so I'll flip the dates around. We will do this section first. And then when we're done with that, uh, next week we, so this will be due at the end of next class. Okay, and I'll give you time in class to work on it. Um, and then the next week we will do a timed write. Um, but we're, rather than looking at the rhetorical strategies, we're going to form an argument. Um, I did upload all of the articles in here already. You can kind of start looking at those. That one I'm going to have you in groups of three, and here's how I would say do it. I would say separate all the different articles out. You read certain ones, you read certain ones, you read certain ones, you go home, you take notes, you come back, you jigsaw it. So you're going to tell them everything that you found about your article, really good quotes. You're going to share your articles. You're going to give them really good quotes. You're going to share yours. You're going to give them really good quotes. You're going to write these things down on your poster. Lots of information. I want you to fill this sucker up. Okay? This is the pre-work for your time to write. As you're filling this up, you're also going to be writing it down in your own notes. Okay? I will let you use your own notes for the test. Okay? The time to write... Um, you're going to do your the the last part of class, we will spend about five or ten minutes working on a working thesis. So when you come to your time break, you will have your thesis already constructed. You will pull that out of your notes. You will have all of the quotes and information that you possibly need, so you don't have to go and spend time doing that. And you will sit down and write a 40-minute essay. Now, in the future, your 40 minutes is going to be way shorter than this because in the future, you actually get your pieces to read and to write all within an amount of time, right? But we're going to work up to that. That's where we want to be in April, okay? So right now, we're still going to be doing a lot of work and kind of together and be working on this together, okay? Right, so questions? All right, so what I need you to do right now is I need you to find one partner. Uh, everybody put your hand up in the air. I want you to go and find a, oh, sorry. No, you're good. I want you to go and find a partner and you're gonna connect hands with them like this. You're my example. Okay. Just my example. <laughs> okay, go find a partner, go. Uh, she is not here today though. You gotta start working on this today. Yeah, if you want to be, that's fine. Can I be part of the What? He's not here today in the PowerPoint? Yes. You may get somebody who's not here. Okay. This PowerPoint? Sure.
Oh, Kaylee's gone for the week. She'll be back Wednesday. So she should be here. Tomorrow. Oh, you don't have to call her. Well, why don't you guys work together now and then you can split up when you get your partners. Okay. All right, so you know what you're working on today? Go ahead and spread out a little bit. Uh, start on your PowerPoint. Uh, here's a suggestion. Um, make sure that the background, make sure you read that second slide also. Make sure that the tone of your slides matches kind of the tone of the video we watched. So I would, if I was doing it, I would stick to like kind of McDonald's-y colors. I would probably stick to using a lot of graphics and backgrounds from the video because that's what the video did, right? Some kind of cartoony things. I might try to look up some images that I saw on the video. Um, you could even go to the video, pause it, and do a snip of something. Right? Do you guys know how to do that? Yeah. I love the snipping tool. It's probably my most favorite tool ever. Um, you could actually snip, pause it, and snip right off the, the video and put it right into your, in, into your uh, PowerPoint. All right, so here's what I do need. The very, very last slide does need to be work cited. It's from the video, it's not a big deal. I would like you to cite the pictures that you take. Okay, we should get into practice of that. Um, but you can go to Citation Machine, you can go to easybib.com, and you can type all your information into it and it will format it for you, okay? All right, you have the rest of this class period and I will give you the entire next class period to get this done. It is due at the end of next class. Right, all right, go. Oh, do you have your ID on you? Take your ID with you. No, not an annotated. Do you know what an annotated bib is? It's a paragraph with each citation. No. No, I just want the citation. Yeah, cite the video and then any pictures that you take. Sean, you want? Your jacket. I'm actually so excited. I'm just kidding. What's your Gmail? That's how you spell your name. No, there's an H after the G. Yeah, but you both need to be working on it, and then you both need to upload it at the end. Yeah. And I'm fine with you uploading a link. No, that's not. Um, just but, make sure that um, I can open the link. So make sure that I you can, change the sharing so that I can actually it open over, it. I copy it over. It has to be the same PowerPoint, right? And if you're going to share a link to me, could you please share it to my personal email? Because when I'm logged into my computer, I have my personal email open. Um, this is my personal email. Um, what? It, it has that? to be the same document, right? For both people. Yeah, we're going to merge um, it. Does that make sense? I would prefer it to be, but you uh -huh. may both open up your own document and just work on it okay. and make them look pretty much the same and then upload them that way. Okay. Or is it healthy to be honest? What's what? Or I could share it with you. Yeah, all five are four price. I just prefer using Keynote. Everybody's always like, oh, this is our price, and I'm like, yeah. Well, this is good. It'll give me time to buy a paper, too. Shut up. Is it for real? Yeah. Oh, it's 
see it sometime. Let me see it. Let me see tomorrow. And what I'm going to put I think we could probably just put our names as the subtitles and have whatever. Oh. And then have whatever assignment it is as the normal title. Okay. Yeah, it's pretty ugly. <laughs> Thank you.